We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. What up, everybody? It's been a long weekend. We set the clocks, what was this, back an hour? No, forward. We sprung forward. And I am tired because of it. It was a lot of MMA as well. Pro wrestling, which we'll touch on later in the week. There was some boxing. A lot of craziness going on. We're preparing for a busy WrestleMania weekend. Wrestling with stereotypes for the first time as part of of the WrestleMania festivities down in Tampa. Make sure you guys buy tickets to that. Uh, we'll be down there. We'll also found out that we'll be streaming on Fight TV. So if you guys can't make it down to WrestleMania weekend, don't worry, you can still see Wrestling with Stereotypes 499. It's gonna be as fun, as informational, as dope as the previous two have been. So we appreciate you guys' support. Make sure you guys check that out. But we are back, me, Kel Dansby, here with the old man, Andreas Hale. And we are starting this week off with MMA because you being the busiest man in journalism outside of Stephen A. Smith, we're at the fights this weekend in Vegas. So that is going to dominate our show this week, Israel Adesanya versus Joel Romero. Before we dive into that, though, 
something I'm sure you were too busy to notice. But a couple of days ago, us being video game nerds to our core, you more than almost anyone I know, you're like, what, damn near three decades deep in video games. PlayStation 2 turned 20. Yeah, I know. I, no, I feel I old. I thought you didn't know this. You were a busy Shit. guy this week, pumping out interviews, editing. It turned 20. I feel like I bought this console yesterday. I remember N64 and PlayStation coming out. PlayStation 2 seems new to me still. Not me. That was a long time ago. 20 years. We're only on PS4 now. So that's a, what? I, doing my Jay-Z math. That's a, a one-hot console every 10-year average? Yeah, I think I, the PlayStation 2 had the longest shelf life. Um, the, the thing was five years between three and four, and then it'll be five years between four and five, but I think two had like seven or eight years. That shit lasted a long time. I mean, it's been two, 20 between two, three, and four, so that would mean PlayStation 2 went 10. Yeah, it, it did. I think it did, man. Because I remember I had my ex. I'm trying to think. I think I still. Mm, yeah, yeah. It had to go about ten years strong. Because I I remember the day I got my PS2. What that was. I made my wife stand in line for it, and then she <laughs> took somebody else's number because the the lines were long as shit. And they called us, and they weren't supposed to call us. And my wife just took somebody else's PlayStation. And I got home, and I had Madden, and I played that shit for like. Uh, an entire day like almost 20, 20 years straight. ago that would be the mike vick madden where he was unstoppable no 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 no, no. the eddie first george? madden yeah eddie george oh i hated that one mike vick that one was okay mike vick was, was oh, yeah it, it was just it was just the fact that they had the graphics like the graphic upgrade yeah. it was like it was leaps and bounds between playstation 2 and playstation 1 like the graphical change between 3 and 4 isn't as significant as between PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 1. PlayStation 3 and 2 was pretty significant, but man, like PlayStation 1, like I remember NBA Live dudes had like still had like polygon heads and shit. And then PlayStation yeah. 2, they had like eyes that moved. I remember playing Madden, I was like, yo, like Dante Culpepper's eyes are moving. And yep. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Now you look at it, it's like, what the fuck is this? But <laughs> on the replay, like you get close as hell, and be like, yo, I can see him blink. Like it, it did have a huge jump. Shout out to yeah. Dreamcast and NFL 2K for really pushing them. And PlayStation saying, oh, we need to get rid of this boxy shit. Yeah, man. Yeah, what a time. Yeah, so that was that was crazy. By the way, one of the best Maddens ever is the one with Marshall Falk on the cover. I think it was that next year. That shit was yeah. fire. Dynasty yeah. mode in that. <sighs> See, crazy like everybody talks about the Vic one but I, I didn't like that because Vic was just he was a cheat code like I wouldn't if you played with Vic it just wasn't fair because I remember I played with Vic and I beat people like 80 points because it wasn't fair you just run around and you throw a screen pass it's a wrap yeah no you have a no Vic rule <laughs> you had to have a yeah, no Vic rule play it was just, he was the let me see Bo Jackson in Tecmo Bowl Mike Vic in uh, Madden <laughs> I don't think odd, anybody was this. Who? Odd job in Goldeneye. Can't pick odd job because you want oh, to the yeah. You don't have to duck. Yeah, that wasn't fair. Odd job in Goldeneye. Nope. Those are like the biggest cheat. The, the, like you just couldn't play with those guys. Just wasn't fair. It's like, dude, you can't play with him. Like Mike Vick. Like he was the worst. He was the most super powered athlete in all of video games. And I can't think of anybody else that comes close, except for Bo no. Jackson and Tecmo Bowl. But even then, 
Like Mike Vick, like you snap the ball to Mike Vick, you can get, you can call a blitz, you can do whatever you want. It was impossible to stop that man. NBA Street had this little alien dude, Graylian, that you could unlock. Oh yeah, I remember that him. was im fucking possible to beat. They also had the Yeti, who was really dope, but he was just really big. Graylian would block the shit out of Yeti. Yeti was like eight foot tall. The Graylian dude's handles, crazy. Like you couldn't do anything. Yeah. It's instant ankle breakers. So that kid was a yeah, cheat code him. too. There, yeah, there was a couple, a couple joints that were bananas. Um, with PlayStation Two turning twenty though, outside of us just feeling old, I have to ask you. And this was tough. I had to pull up a list. What are your top three PlayStation Two games? Oh, uh, this isn't that hard for me. Um, <laughs> Metal Gear yeah. Solid Three, Snake Eater, uh, GTA San Andreas. Gets the nod over Vice City, and I love Vice City. But San Andreas, the fact that you can go to the gym and lift weights and shit, that shit was crazy. And the story was nuts, too. And the third would either be MLB The Show, because that's where it first started. Wait, first started? No. Was it? No, play, no I think it PlayStation was PlayStation 3. Yeah, um, 3, because I th- still think they had triple. It was. Was it triple play? Triple play. What's the baseball game? Triple play was, was my was shit. Triple play? It was triple play, and there was another one. The other one had the mean soundtracks. That's where I learned to like, like, not to like, but that's where I used to get all, like, the new punk rock shit. Like, their rock music soundtracks were so dope. Um, shit, it was before yeah. it was called MLB The Show. But it was, it was like MLB something. Yeah, damn. That I shit was real was dope. So, so, yeah, Snake Eater, Metal Gear Solid, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, that's not and even the best Metal Gear Solid for PS2. Yeah. Shit. Metal Gear Solid. Snake Eater? Snake no, Eater's Sons the best Metal Gear Solid. Sons of Liberty got convoluted when you played as Raiden. Like, the, then the story. Like, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. It's still, like, it's, it's in my top five. But I think Snake Eater's, the origin story with Boss and, like, um, what was the dude that you fought in the forest? Holy shit. What was his name? Oh, the blind and deaf man that you fought in the forest. Oh, that guy sound, was fucking crazy. It. Yeah, no, no, no. That guy was difficult as hell. That's when you had yeah. to get the the little booklet. As, yeah. Or whatever that was called. The cheat guide or whatever. I used to be that, knee deep in that. Like, like Psycho Manus is like the best Metal Gear boss ever, right? Psycho Manus and Metal Gear Solid 1, which is on PlayStation, was the best Metal Gear boss. Because you had to figure out that you had to unplug the fucking controller so he stopped reading your mind. But, damn, was he called the Wolf? What was it? I can't remember his name. But Snake Eater? And then there's like a uh, there's like a c- cinematic scene where you're like climbing up the ladder and they're like playing the Snake Eater song. Because Snake Eater song was a banger. It was like a straight James Bond type tune. Um, and you're like climbing up this ladder to get out of the pit. And I remember watching that. I was like, yo, this is the shit. So Snake, Snake Eater is better. I love Sons of Liberty. But I think Snake Eater was just a better game. Um, and then, yeah, God of War. When God of War first came out, Resident Evil 4 is very close to this as well. Because when Resident Evil 4 dropped and Silent Hill, those also are very close on the list. Because Silent Hill was spooky as shit. But that first uh, God of War, holy shit. Kratos? It's a gangster, man. Alright, so we agree on God of War. God of War, to me, is probably like number three on my list. So God of War comes in at three two has to be tony hawk pro skater four which is the second best one out of pro skater two 
But Pro Skater 4 was so fucking dope with the advanced graphics. Crazy. So Pro Skater 4 is my number two game on PS2. And then number one, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Oh, God, I didn't like that game as much as you did. Oh, my God. That's almost in my top five games ever. It's that close. The puzzles, the wall climbing, using the... What do you get? The Sands of Time in the dagger, and you can actually rewind time? That shit was bonkers. That game was revolutionary. Mm. I... There's still no. nothing. Very few things have been as original as that. I mean, that was the equivalent of bullet that... time, like Max Payne, which should also be on this list. When you get yeah, like Max bullet Payne's time, dope, but... and you're like, "Yo, this shit's fucking crazy!" But that was just a Matrix ripoff. Yeah, I think God of War is good, and I think another game that was that was better. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, we talked like. Resident Evil 4, Sons of Liberty, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, Bully, when Bully came out, Bully was dope, uh, a lot of people forgot about Bully, um, Devil May Cry 3, Devil May Cry like, 3, Devil May Cry is, dude, the combo system in that game, yeah. like, whew, the that combo system that game, that shit was just dumb game, long, though, it was so good, uh, I loved dumb it, dumb long, <laughs> and one, and there's one other game that's just outside, is, uh, Final Fantasy 10, uh, it's one of the, the, Better one of the best Final Fantasies, but it was like Final Fantasy X had Blitzball in it. I don't know if anybody remembers Blitzball. Um, that was good. I mean, nothing is better than Final Fantasy VII. That is the the greatest Final Fantasy of all time. But yeah. X was pretty fucking good. So that was my thing. Like I had to leave X was good, but I had to leave it out because it's like the third or fourth best Final Fantasy game. So I was just yeah. like, uh, okay. Uh, the thing that I wasn't into as much as other people. But I guess you have to give her props and mention it was Guitar Hero. Because that yeah, shit took over the yeah. world. I just couldn't play. I wasn't coordinated enough to play the guitar at all. So I was just really shitty. So when Rock Band came out, yeah. I was like, dope. I could just play the drums because my fingers don't work in coordination enough to play the guitar. So I, it really wasn't my thing. But I know people love that shit. Yeah, I, I loved Rock Band. I didn't get into Guitar Hero. And for the record, no. the only, like, it really pains me to leave GTA Vice City off of this list because the soundtrack to GTA Vice City was fucking amazing. And then you had, like, the, the, the voice cast was, like, Ray Liotta and Dennis Hopper. And I think, yeah, Burt fucking Reynolds was in the game. Like, Burt yo, <laughs> Vice City? Dog, like, I said this on Twitter, the 20th anniversary. Vice City and San Andreas, if they remastered those two games, I would lose my mind. And I know it's like the the idea of remastering those games would be like, just make another fucking Grand Theft Auto. But those two games were so good. And if you go back and play them now, they're virtually unplayable because they look like shit. But, man, that Vice City? Oh, man. Like, that, that soundtrack was unbelievable. And, like, San Andreas, just the story? And the gang, <laughs> the gang rivalries? Oh, man. San Andreas Rockstar Games had it on lock. Yeah, hard Rockstar to leave San Andreas off of that. Um, damn, yeah, that was good. San Andreas might have to sneak in there somewhere. It's just, I can't leave off Prince of Persia. Like, I really am a Prince of Persia guy. So it's hard to kick yeah, that off of the list, that. but you're right. San Andreas is uh, super dope. But you touched on the next little topic that I want to talk about, which was, what game should they bring back for the PS5? Yeah, those two. San Andreas and Vice City. Um, 
But I feel like there's uh, new iterations of those. So those can't even count because they keep making those. What game has like pretty much been stopped? Like NBA Street is something I think prime for a remake on PS5. I mean, to be honest, I mean, yeah, Street would be would be dope to bring back. But to be honest, um, Tony Hawk hasn't been around for a while. It would be Kind of dope to see a Tony Hawk game on on if they do the PS5. Well, when they do the PS5. Um, yeah. And people got too realistic for a second. Like that's what yeah, Wonka, got out of control. Like, with skate and shit. Like no, I want wild combos. But like like bully. Did you play bully? Uh, I played the new bully, the not kid? back then. No, what well, is that? Yeah, bully, bully two was. I didn't. Even, I don't even remember there being a bully too. I just remember playing the first bully with you, little like bald white kid, and he just do a bunch of shit in school. Um, but bully and manhunt was another Rockstar game that was really brutal. You just beat the shit out of people in that game. I wouldn't like Rockstar games are always like the open world games. I, everybody still those are the most innovative games of all time. Oh, no, I guess it was the original world. bully, by the way. No, yeah. I just played the original one. All right, dope. Yeah, so I wouldn't mind seeing bully come back. Um, they already remastered Shadow of the Colossus, and as a PS, like a, as a gamer, it pains me to say that I've never finished Shadow of the Colossus because I never find time to do it. And it's no, a that's short just dumb game. long too. Like it's no, really it's fun for about yo, it's really fun for about thirty minutes, yo. And then I'm just like, I, I got it, I got my fix. Am I weird for that? It's the same thing over and over again. Like you climb up yeah, this guy, I mean, you stab him, you kill him. Like they they just give you different guys. Well, yeah, the puzzle part about it is, though, like, figuring out how to take down the Colossus was always really dope. The remastered one on PS4, it looks amazing. And the fact that I'm so backlogged on video games, I'm, like, never going to get to it. Because I'm like, ah, I'm going to play it. And I just don't. Like, I just haven't got around to it. But the PS2, like, and I, I just left off, like, NBA and all the other shit. Like, I leave yeah, all sports games for the most... Yeah, because it's just hard. Like, I, I loved Madden. I love, like, you know, 2K. Um, the show, I can't remember when it first came out. Like, the show was, like, one of my favorite games ever because I love baseball and I love the White Sox and I love minor league rosters and I love how deep this game is. But uh, I'm not just a sports guy. Like, <laughs> I saw to my nephew because, uh, you know, he plays, like, Fortnite and shit. And his friends, he was like, well, my black friends, all they do is play NBA 2K. And I was like, oh, that's a bad precedent to set. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> like, oh, like, like, I'm, I'm a game. Like, he looks through my collection of games. He was like, do you play all these? I was like, I try to. Like, I'm like, right now, right now on Switch, I'm playing The Witcher. On my Xbox, I've gone back and played, I'm playing Assassin's Creed um, Odyssey, which is fucking amazing. I can't believe I didn't play this game for so long. And on my PS4, I'm playing NBA 2K and um, Jedi Fallen Order, and like I have no time for nothing else. And How I'm trying is to get the through Jedi these games. Fallen Order. It's dope. Like it, it's right. really. Dope. I love like, Star the Wars. Are dope. Yeah. yeah, like this is the best one of them all. Like the the way that you use the four. Like the gameplay is amazing. It it has a little bit of Uncharted in it. Look, I know like people listening to this podcast like fuck your video game. Sorry, <laughs> I'm a gamer, but no, it has like knows. a lot of. I, like I, the Uncharted series is one of my favorite series ever in video games. Uncharted like is amazing, and same as same as the revamping of Tomb Raider, and there's a little bit of that in the Fallen Order game. So, um, yeah, I'm playing that right now. It's just like I love 2K, and so I always go back and play a game in because it's the one game I can play and just get a game in real quick. Um, but yeah, man, 
I play a lot of video games. Sorry, people. I've been playing video <laughs> games forever. Dude, when I was in Dallas, they have a video game museum in Dallas. Oh, my God. Like, I went oh. to that shit, and they had, like, ColecoVision and Atari 2600, and I played uh, Matt Masters. If anybody remembers the Matt Masters, like, there was, like, a street fight. Not even street fight. Like, a fatal final fight type of wrestling game. Um, they had that. They had Tecmo World Wrestling. Uh, then they had like an arcade, and I played the arcade version of Moonwalker. And I bought like a Nintendo wallet, and I bought like a Sega Genesis keychain. And it was like I was, and I didn't have much time because I had to get to the fight. But man, they had everything. I was in love. I can't wait to go I, back. I don't even know when I'm ever going back. I have to apologize to your wife in advance because I saw this AJ Styles documentary like a couple months ago, and I was like, yo, when me and Dre go to Japan, it's over. Oh, it's over. Because you oh, are so buying over. everything at that video game store. If people have seen the AJ Styles so documentary, over. it is nuts. They had everything in there, and he's like an avid collector. And I was like, Dre's going to come back with like a suitcase full of shit from this one store. Yeah, I'd probably like... You might have to just mail fucking, it back. <laughs> I'd probably buy like a TurboGrafx-16 and like old Japanese games that I couldn't find. Like Nintendo had so many obscure-ass games that never came out in the states and i i I think final fantasy 3 was japan only release and i i chase all that shit down i i play (laughs) video games people when i like when i tell y'all like i'm an adult and y'all call me old man andreas like my pops as he was like you're gonna stop playing video games one day no the fuck i'm not i play (laughs) video games forever it'll never stop so yeah Let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about what we came to talk about. Nah, man. I'm telling you, the, one of the proudest moments in parenthood for me so far is like two years ago. And we, you know, covering fights over the summer. And I think I was working at the news station, so crazy hours. But I had come back and my daughter had sat down and got to 92% on Yakuza. And I looked, I was like, yo, you play like Yakuza? She's like... I love video games. Like, yeah, cool. Like, I'll play whatever. I'm playing every one of your games. So she beat Spider-Man to 98%. She did Yakuza. Um, I think her first game that she really went hard on, and she started playing, like, online, like, without me, and she was, like, seven, was Titanfall. And she loved that shit. And then she just got, like, super into it and started playing online and busting ass. And then now she plays everything. Call of Duty, any any game you could sit down and put her in front of, she just goes nuts and beats it. And my son's always been into video games too, but I expected that of him. But knowing like she loves video games, I'm like, yo, you're such a weird version of me. But it was like a proud moment. Like, no, you're not just playing it to just play it and kill time. Like, you're actually going in and beating these games. I was like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, you're my daughter. Like, that's cool. Be like, straight A's? Yeah, whatever. Like, cool, you take that 3.8 GPA somewhere. Like, I think she got a B this year. And I was like, yo, you got a B? She was like, it won't happen again. And I was like, yeah, cool, you got like a 3.8 GPA. Hardy hard, like, congrats, have a cookie. But you can get to 98% in Spider-Man? Now you have my fatherly love. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that was a proud-ass moment. People say what they want. Good grades, extracurriculars, you know, number one in dance competition. She was like first chair in some band shit that I don't understand. That's all cool. You beat Spider-Man or just get number one out of like 20 people on Call of Duty. You know what? Baby girl, me and you. That's, let's go out for ice cream. 
So that was a, a proud pappy moment for me. Uh, let's take a quick break after we just finished nerding out to video games. Uh, pay the bills with one of our ads. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into UFC 248 and everything MMA. Because that's what we're here for. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Alright everybody, we'll get back to the show in a second, but first, now that March has arrived, we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure you head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said 100 k and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action, and with the multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all of your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure you use that promo code, BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now let's get back to the show. What up, everybody? That quick. We are back and we are talking UFC 248. It went down in Vegas, even though a lot of people wouldn't have known because it feels like everything's been in Vegas these past couple of months. We saw the return of Conor McGregor. We saw Fury Wilder in Vegas. And then now this was a follow-up just a few weeks later after that. And Dre had to have been just just hard for them to really bring people out for this. For what? <laughs> Listen, the Adesanya, to me, leading into this fight, had star potential. But I didn't think he could drag people to Vegas. It's, it's cool when he fights in Australia. It's cool when he fights, even still, on someone else's card. Or maybe a summertime weekend when people are coming anyway. But in the spring, after Fury, after McGregor... It seemed like a hard sell. What was fight I mean, week like? Like, like the week. Like I'm saying. Like here's what I said for what. Because it's coronavirus, man. Everybody's scared. <laughs> like every, every look, dude. Like seriously. I'll tell you this. They would risk it for Conor McGregor. They risk they coronavirus. I mean, we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole, and it was just like a joke. But it was there's fatigue that really is set in because yes you did Wilder Fury um like you did Wilder Fury you did Cowboy and the Connor and you're it's the beginning of March and now you're doing Adesanya Romero which is a good um hardcore fight which is like Adesanya's on the cusp of becoming a star but it's still it's not the big like if you're like Wilder Fury was so big that casuals wanted to see that fight, right? Like, casuals would travel. This wasn't the fight to necessarily travel for. So, fight week was relatively tame. I mean, it kept me busy with a few things to do, but it just wasn't... It didn't feel big. Like, the MGM was empty. Like, when I I say empty, I mean, like, the lobby... There were times the lobby floor... And the fight was at T-Mobile, but... Like, I would go to the MGM, and the, the lobby floor would be nobody there just the, like the little pack 12 thing because you know the tournament is coming up and all that shit and no people so fight week was relatively dead but now the fight itself i mean 
Fight night had eventually filled up, but man, that place was empty early. Like, I had never seen T-Mobile that empty early for uh, a fight card. And plus, the fight card was kind of trash until you got to Sean O'Malley anyway. So, there was that part. But, yeah, this wasn't like a, a fight week to write home about by any means. That makes me think of, you know what? Yes, Adesanya is the champion. But if he's going to headline these cards, I, I think he has to be that road champion. Where now you send him in, you know, Boricina's next, or Paulo Costa, whatever. His mama named him Boricina, I'm going to call him Boricina. Um, if he's next, you got to send him to Brazil to fight him. Nah, it's gonna if, be you get, if you get Darren Till after that, send him overseas. Send him to the UK to fight him. Send him to be the ultimate road champion. I disagree. I think, um, because I think gotta, he sells like, as the headliner. In Vegas, I, I but I think, think eventually, eventually he'll like he's got to get there. Like he just won the title, and I mean he's coming off of the most attended uh, MMA event ever at Marvel Stadium in in uh, New Zealand, no, in Australia, when he knocked out Robert Whitaker. That was the, the most attended MMA fight ever. So bringing bringing him back to Vegas to headline his first Vegas car, it's like you got to kind of. I'm not saying like he's going to be Floyd Mayweather, but Floyd Mayweather had to fight Carlos Baldemir in front of like not a full house, and like that, he had to work his way to that point. So in Adesanya's case, the Romero fight was the litmus test. Like, like okay, I mean they they still did well. Like I think the 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 attendance was the still, gate like, fifteen thousand. Yeah, like yeah, they still yeah. did like fifteen thousand. The card sucked, um, and then, <laughs> then you know it, we'll talk about the fight itself later. But the fight sucked, and that kind of hurt as well. But I think he'll be fine, man. Like. He has a charisma that very few fighters have, and he's for him to be was he thirty one? Yep, he feels 30, he, he feels like 32. a nineteen year old. Like when when you talk to like the youthful energy that he that he oozes, like talking about anime and like if, if anybody watched Embedded, like he was listening to, to Nipsey Hussle's Double Up, and like like he, he, everything that he does has a youthful energy to it, and he can connect with a younger audience. So I think. It seems like the Adesanya Boratini fight, if Costa can get clear, which he says, my Brazilian doctor's clear to me. It's like, yeah, okay. But um, if they can do that at International Fight Week and pair that with Masvidal Usman, that's a great card for International Fight Week. And Adesanya didn't no, take I, any, any damage. I mean, there's really yeah. no reason to like, go on the road. So it's like fighting Vegas, there's no state taxes. I think Adesanya made half a million for this fight. So I think he would want to fight in Vegas again. I I love that you said he didn't take any damage, but yet he went twenty five minutes. We'll we'll get to that in a second. That statement just made me chuckle. The biggest thing fight week though that made headlines was Habib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson in a press conference. A presser, you talked to Habib beforehand, and then Tony afterwards. Tony came out in some weird ass gloves. During it, like I don't, I don't know if he thought like the fight was that night. He pulled like our truth. I, I don't know. Tony Ferguson, when when people and this word is always thrown around too loosely, but Tony Ferguson is the definition. When people say he is an enigma, that is Tony Ferguson. It's yeah, not a gimmick. He's, he's a weird. It's cat. not a he's character. A it's weird. What did you see firsthand during that presser? Because to me, it was more entertaining. Than it had any business being. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the fifth time they booked this fight. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so I get there. So, full disclosure, the Zone Germany is a partner with the UFC. Like, we stream UFC cards in Germany. So, now I have added access. So, now I'll be backstage at weigh-in, stuff like that. So, when I got there, um, they told me that Tony would show up. Tony was the one that was late, and Khabib would be late. Nope. Khabib got there. He showed up with Ali, a whole entourage, and Khabib... Very calm, very Khabib-like. Talked about why the fight was happening. Um, you know, he basically said that he fully expected to meet Tony Ferguson again because how could you not pair two guys that are on 12-fight win streaks? And he was very, that you know, I don't train any different. I'm just come here to get the job done. Then the fucking press conference happens. And for those of you who didn't see it, Tony Ferguson just showed up full of piss and vinegar and just felt like trying to get under Khabib's skin. Now, Conor McGregor tried this, and it didn't really work. Like, Khabib never really got mad at Conor. He laughed at him. This was different. Like, Tony was pissing Khabib off. And I've never seen Khabib just, like, really pissed off. I've seen him mad, but he was, like, livid. Somewhere in the press conference, Tony Ferguson talked about being in a street fight. And Khabib was like, you've never been in no street fight. And I was waiting for Khabib to say, I fight (laughs) bears. But he didn't. But, uh... You know, he was like, well, you're not, you're fake Mexican. I was like, yo, like, Khabib is, man, he kicked his title belt. Like, Khabib was pissed off. I'm, I'm baffled because, yes, they've booked this fight four times. And it's fallen apart four times. And the only thing that could, well, not the only thing. The coronavirus could stop it the fifth time if it gets any worse. Um, <laughs> but you would think at a certain point that these two would just kind of have respect for each other. And, like, Ferguson was just all over him verbally from throughout the entire press conference and then afterwards you know and another weird part like uh this dude rodney from arizona asked tony ferguson about mental health and tony ferguson just said fuck you and i was like that was weird um that was uncalled for like i don't know why tony ferguson did that but i talked to tony afterward and um i asked him about getting khabib's head and he was like it's you know i'm he's like i'm good at it and I got my desired result. Like, that's what he wanted. Part of me in my head was like, are you sure that's what you want? Because I don't think Khabib's the type of guy that fights any different if he's mad. I think that he just wants to torture you. And I think it's going to be a good fight. But, dude, I think Khabib's just on another level. Um, and I talked to Dana White, and Dana was actually surprised. I talked to Dana for a few minutes afterwards, and Dana was like, I'm surprised that he got in Khabib's head that quick. Because... He's like, I don't think we'll need added security. It's not like Connor and Khabib, where, you know, Connor's like disrespecting the country. But he's like, I've never seen Khabib just like pissed like that so easily. So maybe there's a method to the madness. I don't know. But I'm looking forward to that fight. I'll be out there in New York for that as well. Oh, you're coming down to NYC. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now that the zone is global. Okay. Okay. I see you. Big, big man traveling to every fight now. Um. You're never going to be at home. That's crazy. So now we got to chill in NYC when you're down there. I'll just take the drive. Nonetheless, it seemed as though you're right. You know, Tony got into his head. But I think for the first time, Habib is concentrating on more than just fighting. And I'm really intrigued to see how this affects him. Because in the one week... I pulled a quote of him talking about he's getting offers from Saudi Arabia in the Middle East to fight Floyd Mayweather. And yep. he's requesting 11 rounds boxing, one round MMA, and stupid shit. But that's something that takes his attention. 
Then you look at Tony Ferguson fight, which is stylistically the toughest fight in his career. Right here, coming up, that takes attention. Then you look at Conor McGregor, who's still poking and prodding him. They had beef just this weekend on Twitter. Conor McGregor laughs at him for being street fights and posting all these stupid pictures. He's getting in a back and forth there with McGregor. Again, that's another person having space in Khabib's head. And you look at all of this, you're wondering, like, how does this affect Khabib going into this fight? For the first time, it's not quiet around him. Before, it was a lot about McGregor. People didn't know Habib, casuals didn't know Habib going into that. Now he's the A-side. He's the star. And now I'm wondering, how does this affect him? Is this his chink in the armor? Because physically, technique-wise, it's very hard to beat him. He's closed up a lot of the holes. But mentally, if he's not all there, if he's kind of just smelling his own, his own aroma, feeling himself, could that be what trips up Habib Nurmagomedov? And I think that might be it. I don't think so. Um... I don't think, I don't think it's a lot, man. I don't think it matters. Like the Saudi Arabia things, like Khabib had kind of said it. I asked him about Floyd. He was like, I don't care about Floyd Mayweather right now. He's like, if he wants to fight me, it'd be eleven rounds boxing, one round MMA. But he's like, not smash him. But he was, like, but he was like, I'm focused on Tony. <laughs> he's and, not making it like to that twelfth round, by the way. No, Floyd would make sure of that. He would yeah. make sure that he does not see that twelfth round if it's a boxing match. But. Khabib saying it, no one is not going to happen. Because there's no way in hell Floyd would even partially agree to that. Because in the event that Khabib makes it to the 12th round, Floyd's going to die. But that I, I don't see that happening. I don't see anybody sanctioning that shit. I don't see that happening. But Khabib keeps circling back to Tony. And yeah, the Conor thing is there. But Khabib's really... I don't think he really gives a fuck about Conor right now. Because he's kind of backed off his stance a little bit. Even though Ali has basically said, fuck Conor and it's not happening... Khabib was just kind of like, yeah, well, he has to fight Justin Gaethje or I'm not fighting him. Because Justin Gaethje is the rightful next guy. He's he's really playing it by the numbers. There's, I mean, he's pissed off at Tony because Tony got annoyed him. But I just don't know if that works to Tony's benefit. Because Tony's good. Don't get me wrong. But I, I just think Khabib's a different level of beast. The motherfucker wrestled bears, man. Bears. And I think <laughs> in order to beat Khabib, you have to be like a, a, a special striker type. And he walked through Connor. <laughs> like, this, it doesn't get much better with, with striking than Connor, but you need to be, like, really fluid and give Khabib things yeah. to think about. You have to be a and pressure I think, fighter, I think. Michael Johnson you, did it for, like, four minutes. Yeah, and, you, and Tony's kind of Tony's kind of John Jones in that way. Like, he's an adequate striker, he, but he's a better grappler. And he kind of mugs you and things like that. And I don't think that works against Khabib. So, I mean, we'll see. Fifth time's the charm. We'll see what happens. But, man, I don't think anything's really taking Khabib's attention. Like, he really just is focused on being the best MMA fighter ever right now. Like, ever. He just wants to mow people the fuck down. That's scary. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, You know, I still think that Justin Gaethje is the style matchup best fit to give him a run for his money. I agree. I agree. Somebody like Gaethje who... Throws haymakers and leg kicks. That's the type of guy that can give Khabib problems. I don't think Ferguson's that guy. And I think no, it's still going to be a brawl. tough fight. Yeah, that's your yeah. best chance. Sprawl and brawl. Um, unless Habib, I think he's going to take him down. Unless you catch him in a 
single moment of weakness, you throw up some wild shit, and he ends up in a triangle, and you choke him the hell out. Yeah, that just could be he's like really good. But anyway. Yeah, I, crazy. But that dominated a lot of the narrative of the fight week. And then on fight nights, before we get into the actual fights, there was more drama. And you know why there was more drama? And you know why there was a side fight and someone getting slapped? I, I will even tell see you this. why. Go ahead. I will tell you why, though. You tweeted about it. Mm-hmm. It's because you were in the building. We mentioned this several weeks in a row. <laughs> you are the common denominator. You've proved it again. You were in the building, mind your own business, but still you must have gotten close enough to Brian Ortega that he just, he sensed you in his presence. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to slap the hell out of the Korean zombies little translator dude. Who happens to be like a Korean pop star. Didn't care. Rolled, rolled up on him and was like, yo, are you the translator kid? Ariel did the interview on ESPN on his radio show, and he was like, "Yeah, I am the translator." Off rip, on site, bop, slapped him. Not even punched him, slapped him. Made sure he felt that one. And people called it a brawl, whatever, whatever. No, he just slapped the hell out of him. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Dre strikes again." Yeah, I didn't even see. I didn't even know this happened until after the fight. Somebody was like, "Oh, Brian Ortega slapped uh, Korean zombies." Translator. And I was like, and it sounded fake. I was like, what? I don't say when it slapped no translator, but apparently it happened. Like, Dana White confirmed it. And, uh, yeah, this shit ain't my fault, man. Cut it out. I didn't do this. <laughs> it's you. You're the common denominator. When you are around, someone is getting slapped, choked, or handcuffed. This is all within the last month. If there's only been four weekends, these things have happened on three of them. And the other weekend, I'm sure you just stayed in the house. Yeah, it's arbitrary, man. I, I, I didn't do nothing. <laughs> you're, you're the one that's bringing it around. It's okay. I just want people to know, if you're in town, WrestleMania weekend, be on your best behavior. Because you don't want to get slapped. Because you don't want to be the one catching hands. Because you're just in the vicinity of Andreas Hale. Mm-hmm. He just, it's something about him. People just, they see him. Like, damn, look at this guy. He's the epitome of combat sports. I need to get in. Maybe I can impress him. Let me show him my skills. And they slap the shit out of somebody. Hoping you may notice. This is this is the storyline I've played up in my head. So it's all your fault. Clearly. And uh, we see we see someone else get slapped. So that's going to be interesting. Ortega kind of needs something to do. So I don't think he's booked, right? No, he's For not. For a fight. And I feel like and Dana kind of alluded to it. He's like, well, that's going to be the next fight. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it booked itself. Yep. Why not? Why why fight the inevitable? So um, that's where we go with that. We're actually going to take one more quick break for another ad read. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the actual fight itself and run down through the main card and the Sugar, the sugar Show, which was headlining the prelims. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we'll get right back to the episode in a second. But first, have you ever seen an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. 
Uh, with more than 50 combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all age- ages. Fits me just great. Like, you know, I lost some weight recently, so got to make sure everything looks good. So these these untuckers look awesome. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And the website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. Yeah, so whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Now let's get right back to the show. All right, just that quick. Uh, we already know the old man said this card wasn't worth a damn before this Sean O'Malley fight. So we're just skipping through to that. Uh, we have the Sugar Show up first. He headlined the preliminary card. Good spot for him coming back after almost three years away. Injury and then failed the test and then was punished and that got dropped down a little bit. It, it's been crazy, but he's still only 25. And a lot of people saw... A lot of potential in him before he went away. And then now he comes back. And to me, yes, he has some new tattoos that kind of look dumb. And every day that passes, he looks more like Post Malone. But nonetheless, his skills have advanced coming back. And, and I thought this was probably his best performance that we've seen in front of UFC cameras. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that I immediately noticed when I saw O'Malley is that he's, he's bulked up a little bit. Like, he's more muscular. He's not as wiry as, as he was when we last saw him two years ago. And then, when you see him in the octagon, it didn't affect his speed, his technique, his ability to control distance. Like, he made short work at Canonia. So, like, he just beat beat him up. And um, it's got star written all over him. I think it's very simple. It's easy to see. Like, he's a star. They are. I don't, I'm not saying they have to be careful with how they advance him. But Canonia is a guy that, like, nobody knew. And he just kind of put him on, set him on fire, and beat the shit out of him. So I, I fully expect O'Malley to be back for that international fight week card in July. You know, he didn't take any damage. Uh, he wants to stay busy, and you need that guy to be active so you can keep him as visible as possible. Because yeah, he's going to be the. I'm not going to say the next big thing, but if you put him in the right spot to succeed, he'll do it. I completely agree, and uh, shout out to Stats and Info. I'm milking that for what it's worth here at ESPN. Uh, The stats for this fight were just beyond incredible. The thing that stood out to me on fight night was I knew Sean O'Malley had hands. He could always throw hands. His defense looked far and away improved. Yeah. And when I tweeted this, I didn't even know how good good it was granted the fight was short what two minutes three minutes of a fight two minutes ends up knocking out um jose real quick but the final stats jose threw 11 punches total strikes kicks punches whatever landed zero sean o'malley wasn't touched in two minutes in that same span you're like oh o'malley was just running in the same span O'Malley threw 22 total strikes. All significant strikes. Wasn't pot shot. 
22 significant strikes, landed 18, landed 81% of his total strikes in lieu to a TKO, where it's not like he jumped on him right away and beat the hell out of him. Maybe there was four punches landed during that final combination, which still, even with that, puts him at 14 out of 18. That's insane without getting touched by your opponent. This yeah. shit was a flawless victory. Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Crazy. Like, if, if you were in uh, talking about video games to start off the show, this is Mortal Kombat. You just have flawless victory. Like, this shit was incredible. So, man, that, that's as impressive as you can get. Like you said, didn't take any damage because he wasn't statistically touched in this fight. Yeah, Incredible. Man. For the, um, again, so, the future's mighty Bring him back. Yep, bring him back. Yep, bring him back. And then we have uh, first fight on main card, Cowboy Oliveira versus Max Griffin. A fight, some people thought Max Griffin won. There was some blood. Cool, Cowboy Oliveira gets the win. What we both found most interesting on fight night was that Cowboy Oliveira has 10 kids, about to have 11, with three women, and those three women live on one street, the same street in Brazil. I'm going to call it Oliveira Boulevard. Yeah. yeah that man's got a compound. He's big love, for real. And the crazy <laughs> thing is... His victory over Max Griffin ties the number of kids he has with 10. And just a, not too long from now, he'll have more kids than wins in the UFC. He'll have his 11th kid. That is nuts. Yo, 11. You got one. Imagine having 11. No, fuck that. <laughs> that shit is wild. So, yeah, I'm now convinced he might just fight forever. He might fight until he's Joel Romero's real age. Because you got to feed 11 kids. He's MMA's Heath Slater. Yeah. I got kids. You just need to get him the shirt so he can wear it to... So, Mark Raymondi, next time I see him, I'm be like, yo, next time Cowboy fights and you interview Cowboy Oliveira, bring him the Heath Slater t-shirt so he can wear it. The I Got Kids t-shirt. It makes so much sense. You got to brand this. Now that Mark Raymondi is the king of the t-shirts. Yeah, he and is. And king of fight week phrases. He has a gimmick. So we got to lean all the way in on that. Um, by the way, we did our predictions last week. I think I was right all the way up the card, and you were wrong. At least in these first three, just, um, just to let you know. Let me see. They were all toss-ups, but I'm just letting you know. Yeah, I picked Max. I picked Lee. and then, Did I pick Darius or I picked your car close? You picked close. Remember. Yep. Oh, wow. Picked close yeah, I, changed, I, picked, I picked Darius the, the day of the fight. But, yeah, with the other picks, I was wrong. And then, yeah, we got the, the main event right. It's only one I got right, but whatever. <laughs> so then we have Neil Magny versus Lee. Lee was cool. I, these are the fights that Neil Magny wins, though, right? I mean, like he's Neil looked really good in this fight. Like, Legion Liang heading into this fight had, like, seven of his last eight fights he had won. I think he had, like, six fight of the night performances. And Magny just neutralized all that shit. He looked Magny great. almost stopped him. What, was that second round? Yeah, like, Magny looked really damn good. And I thought Magny was on the wrong side of his career, but apparently he's been a little bit rejuvenated. So, kudos to him for a good performance. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like a super exciting fight, but it was pretty one-sided. He looked good. Yeah, and Magny, again, he's one of those guys. 
he's the best type of gatekeeper because you know he's going to be really good. And when you really have to test a young guy or a guy that's on a on a heat streak, like Lee, like Lee, that was a heat check. Like, okay, you want to win seven out of eight? Let's see what you really got. And Magny put it to him. Now, if they get through Magny and he becomes win eight out of nine, then you're like, yo, I got something here. So he's the best type of gatekeeper. And he'll win in between then because he's still got, obviously, the tools to fuck people up. So it, that was a good win. And even though it went to distance, good fight, I thought, out of Neil Magny. The next fight, Benil Dariush finishes Jakar Close. Did he? And I, I like Dariush going into this. I, I don't know why. I, I just like him. And to me, he's another guy who doesn't lose to subpar competition. Like, he got caught a couple of times, but he won both his fights in 2019, 2018. I don't know the last time this man lost. Edson Barbosa, 2017, knocked him out. That was the last time he lost. So the guy's been winning. I... I just thought, you know, he was going to continue that, and, and he sure did. Darius has always had the talent. He just slips up at the worst possible time every time. Yeah, and I mean, Jakar Close is a guy who never, he only has one loss in his record. He had never been stopped until this fight. Won most of his fights by decision. And for whatever reason, in the second round, he just decides to throw hands. And I'm sitting there going, like, before the fight started, I picked Darius. I switched. But as the fight was going, I was like, ah, you know, like, Darius backpacked him for, like, the the duration of the first <laughs> End of round. the first. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the second round opens, and, and Jakar just starts throwing hands. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to end well. And Darius catches him with his left hook and, like, has his mouthpiece ha- half hanging out of his mouth. And he, like, collapses in front of where I'm sitting at. And I'm like, God damn. And Jakar Close has now been stopped. Darius is good. And you're right. He has to put it all together. You know, he's lost two top guys. So if he can get his legs under him and continue to win and stay focused, he'll be all right. But this was a big knockout. This was a, an excellent knockout, actually. It was a knockout of the night. Yep. And then we go into the co-main event. Li Zhang versus Joanna and Jacek. This fight was supposed to be a fight between two of the best female strikers we've ever seen. We knew it was going to be good. It surpassed every expectation anyone could have ever had for it. I thought Joanna would get stopped. It was clear early that she wouldn't. And talking about someone being reinvigorated and, and learning, and she's learned. She took those L's to Rose and was like, you know what? I got to change. And that's it. She lost to Shevchenko, but I think she would have lost to Shevchenko at her best. So you do that and come back down and she's just gotten better and you know her face taking two giant lumps and looking crazy at the end of fight aside she fought one hell of a fight and that shows you how great Wei Li Zhang is that she came out with her title still around her waist after just such a, a grueling and brutal matchup between the two and I'll let you talk about the fight itself here for a second, but one thing to think about, we'll touch on it after you're done, is I, I've sat on this, and I don't think it's too much of a hot take to say this is the greatest UFC title fight ever. But talk about the fight. Yeah, I'll talk about the fight first. Um, it would be diminishing to just say that it was the greatest women's MMA fight ever, because it yep. easily was. Um 
I picked Joanna. And I said there was a lot of things that I was concerned with. And I said this was Joanna's Chocolatito moment where she took two losses and people were ready to write her off and she turned in maybe the performance of a lifetime. She didn't win, but she turned in the performance of a lifetime. This was being cage side for this and try like if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know I live tweet these things. I couldn't. It was so hard because I've never seen a fight fought at this pace for this long. Like, the exchanges in this fight were ridiculous. They were fast. Welly Zhang's strong as hell. But Joanna did a fantastic job mixing up her strikes. So she would throw the jab to the body, and she would exit with the hook, and she would throw a body kick, and she landed a few head kicks, and Zhang tried to muscle her, and, and it, you know she did a great job. But, like, for five rounds, these women threw hands. Like, this had all the smoke. And people told me all week that I was crazy for picking Joanna, and I was like, listen, guys, I don't think she's washed up. I think she's reinvigorated. And when I talked to her on Thursday, and I said, is this a do-or-die moment? And I, she was like, she was, she was like, well, what does that mean? And she was like, what, am I going to retire? She was like, no, but she's like, I always put pressure on myself to perform. And this is the most important fight of my life, and I know it. And I know what I lost, and I want it back badly. And, like, I've sensed that in her and went, dude. She, when she was throwing those hands in the pocket, I kept holding my breath because I was like, man, Wiley's might catch her and knock her out. But, dude, this was just an unreal performance from both sides. And I've talked about, I, on Twitter, I talked about hematomas. And I've seen them, like Hasim Rahman, hematoma. And Mark Hominick had a hematoma. I have never seen a hematoma on both sides of the head. Like, she looked like <laughs> sloth from the goo. She, like, she looked like an oddity. Like, it was... That swelling, because it started to appear in the second round. And I was like, oh, she's got a lump on her head. And somebody laughed at me, because in the fourth round, I yelled, it's still growing, because it wasn't stopping. Like, the shit was just continuing <laughs> to grow. And there was, I think she, in between the third and fourth round, she had walked back to her corner. She, like, rubbed her head. And she was even like, holy shit. And the crowd knew, I think after the third round is when the crowd really knew that they were in for something special. Because they just started clapping. And this was this was a crowd that was like didn't like shit. And but this fight, dude, was undeniable. And um, I actually, it was hard for me. Like I, I said, like these rounds are hard to score because it depends on where you're sitting at. It's hard to see who was getting the better of these exchanges. And it felt like Zhang would land the harder strikes, but Yoana would land more strikes. And from a distance, Yoana landed a little bit more. I actually had Yoana winning, but it wasn't like. It was just one round, and I was just like, dude, she couldn't, it could have went either way. And Zhang winning is absolutely not a robbery. I could see that easily happening. Um, this was one of the greatest fights of all time. I don't know if it was better than Robbie Lawler, Roy McDonald, though. That was the greatest, one of the greatest fights I've ever seen in person. That. Like, this was brutal. Don't get me wrong. So that's like, your greatest title fight ever? Yeah, either that or Jones-Gustafson. Uh, um, and that's a crazy fight. I, the Jones-Gustafson gets put into the Hall of Fame, and then these women do this shit. <laughs> Hold my beer, is what they said. This was um, the epitome of that. No, I think as good as Jones-Gustafson was, I think this was better. Now, you reminded me of Rory. Man. Come on, the ebb and flow in that shit? Like, they would, like, so here's the thing about this fight. 
this is the thing about this particular fight that uh, Roy it, it it was it was dramatic like people were holding their breath in the exchanges but like Roy and in uh Robbie it it ended in a knockout a devastating yeah. knockout and both of them had moments where they were badly rocked like both of them had moments like this fight nobody was like badly rocked like Joanna got rocked a couple times but she was like back into it still high drama still an amazing fight doesn't take anything away from it but I think like Robbie and Rory like those two were killing each other and they both had moments where it was like oh shit it's gonna be over for Rory oh shit it's gonna be over for Robbie and then Rory's fucking face fell apart that was like that ending <laughs> the end like just melted on his face yeah was it was it after the third round when Rory was walking back to the corner and just spit up all that blood yep like that, and it was like a mist of blood yeah like dude being in person cage side for that shit and then I went home and watched it again I was like yo I've never seen anything like this and I know people love Jones Gustafson and, the re- and part of the reason why is because Jones had never been tested to that point so when Alexander was winning rounds people were like holy shit and Jones face was swelling up then he landed that spinning elbow that changed the dynamic of the entire fight I get it but Rory and Robbie that was like another level of brutality that was one of the most brutal matches fights I've ever seen in my life and this Zhang Yoana fight is not too far off of that unbelievable yeah I, I think the Jones Gustafson was really good for his time and at the time the best title fight ever Robbie Rory got that so I think that Robbie Rory is better yeah this one isn't Robbie Rory Mm-mm. it's not so so it's it's top three not number one because yeah that one was the best title fight I've ever seen that I mean and, yeah. and the fact that Rory McDonald was winning only thing he had to do was keep his face intact he couldn't that and the drama in that match that match that fight was nuts nuts and I know like and it's kind of I'm not gonna say it's that weird I get why they put Jones Gustafson in the Hall of Fame in the, in the fight wing because of what it meant because yeah Rory's not with the UFC anymore but Rory like they, you know people say it's the greatest title fight they've ever seen no man it's Rory and Robbie that was that it, I, I can't remember a fight that having that the blood the guts the the the, the dramatic swings in, in, in momentum and then the finish like that that was stupid <laughs> that fight was stupid and neither fight was necessarily ever the same again. Rory had to be, like, I don't know what's going to happen, Yohan, after this. They discharged her from the hospital, said she has some minor injuries, and I know she had one hell of a headache. I, but I don't know how this fight will affect her. We know, like, Rory was cooked for over a year. He couldn't fight. That was just one brutal fight. But um, back to this fight, Zhang and Yohanna, Um, you know, a lot of people want an immediate rematch myself included I just think it's impossible because they, they both need to be on the shelf for a while and just say Andras and Rose Diamond Eunice are going to fight and the winner of that will be the number one contender yeah I mean maybe it is Tatiana healthy no she's not she's not healthy yeah the neck is still fucked up I don't know what happens if she can't come back? If she can't come back, that's one of the biggest what ifs. Yeah. In MMA, because I, I think she was talented enough 
to be anyone in that division. So, yeah, yeah that's... And the only problem with Suarez is that damn Nina fight. The Nina Ansarov fight. She got pieced up in that When she got pieced up? When she couldn't yeah. take her down? Yeah. But now you concerned. have to look at that fight, though, and say, was she healthy going into that fight? I mean, we don't know, but it's just like Nina Ansarov and fucking uh, Zhang Wali is like two different levels. Like, she's Zhang is unbelievable. So it's like, if Nina could catch her, Zhang is a better striker, a higher pressure fighter. And she's an exceptional wrestler as well. So I kind of want to see Tatiana Suarez in another fight before she gets a title opportunity. She needs to beat somebody. Like, I really want to see her fight Jessica Andrade. But with Andrade and Rose Namajunas, I mean, one of them is going to win. I think I would assume that the loser would either get a healthy Suarez or Joanna, whichever one comes back first, would face the loser of that fight. Yeah. It's but that, it's tough. Dude, it's like there's a lot of good matchups there, and there is no one for Shevchenko. Nobody, and nobody's trying to go up there. Either. <laughs> Everybody's no, trying to, no like, one's no one's rushing to go up there. Like, no, yo, you I'm can have an you. immediate title shot if you just go up there. They're like, no, no, I'm all right. I'll wait. Yeah, but yeah, we witnessed. You know, a lot of people's like, is it too early to call it? No, fuck that. That easily fight of the year. Um, and this pacing, like it's lapping everything else that's happened right now. Like somebody's gonna have to turn in one hell of a performance to catch up to that. And it's one, yeah, it's one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. I just, I've never seen two people go balls to the fucking wall for 25 minutes. They never stopped throwing to the point where your fucking skull is protruding. It's unbelievable. Starting to grow horns like Hellboy, and it doesn't even fucking matter. Just nuts, crazy. And then we have the main event: Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero, who may be 63 years old. The fight looked. Like someone who was 63 years old was participating. So you get in there, and I get it. There's not many ways to logically look at Israel Adesanya, the style bender, and say, I'm going to beat him. You mentioned one clear-cut way, which somehow, only once during this whole ordeal, crossed Yoel Romero's mind. And that is to wrestle him. No, no. Instead of constantly trying takedowns or closing the distance, Yoel Romero decided to keep his hands up, vogue like Madonna, and occasionally throw one big haymaker and hope that it lands. He landed three big haymakers, and some people were thinking of legitimately giving him the fight. Outside of that, he was not throwing hands, and he was blocking the entire night. And it's one of those bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. But the shit was boring, and... It, to me, wasn't his best way of beating Adesanya. Because to be the man, you got to beat the man. And he didn't go out there and try to beat him at all. I agree with the last part of the statement. Um, so, it was funny because afterwards, Paulo Costa came back to the press room and was like saying he was uh, you know, a disgrace and he's the worst champion. And you don't compare him to Anderson Silva. He can't be on that level. And then that's where I disagree. Because if I saw anything else on Saturday night, I saw Anderson Silva in the cage. Like, this is the new Anderson Silva. Because, and people was like, really, what? Anderson Silva was a kickboxer who was a counter-striker by nature. And he would capitalize on your mistakes and destroy you. Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner, uh, James Irwin, Dan Henderson, uh, Vitor Belfort. If you made a mistake, 
Anderson Silva is on your head. And Adesanya is the same fighter. Which is why when those two fought, it was a true passing of the torch. And it was like staring in a mirror. So Romero's fight with Adesanya was very much like Damian Maia's fight with Anderson Silva. Where if you refuse to engage, Anderson's not going to do anything. Adesanya didn't necessarily do much. Like he chopped at the leg. Like he chewed that leg up. But you like Anderson Silva, same way. He'd be a fool to rush in. Adesanya would be a fool. Like Anderson Silva's like, oh, go to the ground with Damian Maia. What am I, stupid? That's not what I'm going to do. With Romero, you just don't attack because Romero, all he's doing is loading up to throw one big punch. So why would I just rush in and open up my offense? I'm not going to do that. I'm a counter striker by nature. And people are mad at Adesanya, but I'm like, dude, he's the champ. Romero's got to come get his belt. And Romero didn't do that. And I'm not like it was weird because Romero made a terrible account of himself at the post-fight press conference, like an awful account of himself. It was such sour grapes. Like he said, he softened up Robert Whitaker for Adesanya. Like, don't take away credit. For that, man. <laughs> you fought you fought Whitaker for ten rounds. He fought him for, and he decimated him in two. And it's not because of you. It's because Adesanya is a counter striker. And I said, I said it last week. He feasts on guys who sprawl and brawl. This is simple for him. You throw one or two punches, and that's all you got, not much variety, you're going to get pieced up. And that's what he did to Whitaker. Romero's a sprawling brawler who likes to explode in spots. Otherwise, his condition is trash. So he sat there for five rounds hoping that Adesanya would make a mistake. And Izzy almost did. In the first round, when he got caught with that left hand, he said, shit, I ain't doing that again. <laughs> not again. Y'all just going to have to endure this boring-ass fight. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to be stupid and rush in because that's what that man wants. So I'm going to play from a distance, chop at the leg, occasionally fire the jab to see if I can get him to open up. You know, like he made a few mistakes circling to his power hand, but that, that's neither here nor there because Romero wasn't throwing shit. But Romero during the post-fight was like, he's scared, he ran from me. He didn't run from you. You didn't fight. Like, there was no real... Like, there was one part where you went for a takedown and all of a sudden you're like stumbled back to the cage and he circled off and he like ran off the side of the cage but he was because he stumbled he didn't run from you like he wasn't running from you you weren't engaging and that's your job is to beat the champion his job isn't to beat you he's the champ and he won so the crowd booed and it's like yeah but the crowd booed uh anderson silver against damian maya and then the very next fight they forgot all that shit because I, I can't remember who he fought. It might have been Stefan Bonner when you fucking need him in the sternum and killed him. Um, or maybe it was Forrest <laughs> Griffin. I don't remember who it was the exact the next fight, but everybody forgot about this shit. This too shall pass. Israel Adesanya fight won a fight against a guy nobody wanted to fight. Nobody wants to fight Romero. And his next fight will be easier. And it's going to be Paulo Costa, and I think he's going to piece up Paulo Costa. Something awful. Oh, I think so, because Costa doesn't know any different besides just running at him and attacking him. <laughs> I don't know anybody, like, I asked one of the last questions at the press conference, because I asked him, and I was like, you know, because he kept talking about how much he wanted to fight him, and I said, you know, you're a counter-striker by nature, and now everybody knows it. Everybody, like, there's no, the secret's out. They know Derek Brunson tried to rush in and got knocked the fuck out. Robert Whitaker tried to rush in and got knocked the fuck out. Nobody wants to make this mistake again. Kevin Gasolin nearly got his clock cleaned out by rushing in. 
So nobody wants to make this mistake again. And I asked him, well, is there any chance that Paulo Costa does what Yoram Romero did? And he's like, no, he's too dumb. And he's right. Like, in, in the most disrespectful way possible, Romero, I mean, Paulo Costa's defense is his offense. And all he does is charge forward like a maniac. He's got a good ground game, though. But he he's so incensed on hitting Adesanya and making him cry that Adesanya's probably just going to walk him into some shit. And that's, it's going to be a wrap. <laughs> It's look, man. You didn't have to like the fight, but just like Floyd Mayweather, you don't have to like the fight. You just gotta keep winning. Adesanya mm-hmm. is just gonna keep winning. I think Paulo Costa is still very dangerous because the dude's built like Hulkamania. But dog, he's not very diverse in his striking. And if you're not gonna wrestle Adesanya, and you're just gonna throw hands, and if you're gonna be aggressive, that's what he's looking for. He's waiting all day for somebody like you, like for Costa to just fools rush in. There's a movie called Fools Rush In. There should be punks about to get beat down. Fools get rush in and get knocked the fuck out. And that's what's going to happen to Costa if he doesn't learn any defense. It's, it's really simple. And I don't know how people don't see that. You can boo out of sight all you want. But that kid is special, man. Yeah. And he's uh, smart enough to capitalize on those things. And that's yeah. the biggest thing. He's, he's not... Dumb enough to rush in, like we saw in this fight. But when you want to throw hands, he knows and believes in his ability to do so. And he's going to catch you before you catch him. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this plays out. Those two are on a collision course. It looks like, like you said, it could go down in Vegas International Fight Week, which would be really good. Paul Acosta looked very round, though. He's big boy Bartocino right now. Dude, he's he's just fucking big. Like you look at him, like he's bulking. Yeah, like, like he, I mean, I don't know how much crazy. more you can bulk. Like you look, like <laughs> you look at Yoel Romero, right? And you look at Yoel and you go, like, "Holy shit!" Like this guy's like a super soldier. And he's like forty something years old. Paul Costa's not that old, so it's it's a little different because like Romero, that's his body. He's not gonna get any bigger. That's just who he is. And he made weight round the nose at one eighty five, but he knows his body. When you're younger and you try to cut weight, as you get older, you learn, oh, shit, my body is changing. Paulo yep. Costa's in that stage of his life right now. His body's still changing. Like he can, The injury didn't help. Yo, it didn't help at all. And, he, you know, he looked like a buff version of Menudo. Like, he, he had, like, the sh- silky shirt on and shit. But I was, I was looking at him thinking <laughs> the same thing. I'm like, dog, are you going to make weight? Because you can't. It's going to be hard to shave off that muscle, buddy. He's big. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. And I don't know and when you when you're that swole, like when you're that swole in the chest and the arms, you're kind of tight. It's like when you see boxers and they're like super buff but can't crack because the, the, yep. like they don't have loose muscle. They don't have that that muscle, that flexible muscle that allows you to to throw from your hips and all that shit. Boracini is just like like he's so big. I don't know, man. Looks are and everything. Like those body donors don't always do great in MMA or boxing or any sport for that matter. Except for fucking bodybuilding. Think he gets wrecked. Think he gets wrecked. Oh, yeah, that's tough. Because it's just going to be big swings. And if, yeah, if you don't have that explosion, if you don't have the quickness, Izzy's just going to eat you up between punches. But we'll see. The shit talking is going to be great. So we'll we'll see how it how it comes down. And that's, that's going to be a good fight. Because that looks... Like the skinny guy versus the Hulk. Oh yeah, 
So to the casual fan, that's that's going to do wonders in a build-up. So that's going to be real fun to watch. That's our time for today because uh, of the stupid spring forward thing. Our clocks are all messed up, which means I'm pretty tired. And I'm sure the old man has stuff to attend to as well, maybe finishing some of those video games. CC's on the West Coast, and he has plenty of time left in his day. Me, it's the middle of the night. So we want to thank you guys for listening. Again, check out everything with wrestling with stereotypes going down in Tampa. If you guys are in the area, please buy your tickets. We have a great panel. If you cannot make it to Tampa, we'll be on Fight TV streaming for $4.99. You guys can still check it out. It's going to be a blast. I promise you. And then also follow us on social media at cornerpodcast underscore me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale. Until the next show, which is on Wednesday, you guys take care. We're out. Peace. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.